0: and scores! Tomas Hurdle hits the jackpot! You're listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Score! 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 Logan Couture wins it in overtime! Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. It's down to zero, the horn sounds, and that is it. The 2020-21 National Hockey League season has come to an end for the San Jose Sharks. They come off the bench to console and welcome Alexei Belnichuk in his second career start. And for Patrick Marlowe, he quietly exits the ice. Will this be the final time in his National Hockey League career? We do not know, but what a career if it is indeed over. 23 years, 1,779 games, just a couple of points short of 1,200. I'm not betting against Patty. Here he comes back onto the ice now. And he is going to be really, really serenaded by the fans here. A rousing ovation for Patrick Marto. One final time this year. Well, I think the things that went well is, is, is you know, that we uh, uh, we got to see a lot of new faces and we got to have, uh, you know, the last few weeks, especially after the deadline that, uh, you know, we 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 had we got to see some prospects and, uh, you know, we went through a trade deadline and uh, restocked the shelves, got a guy like Barabanov, you know, so that, that was a positive. I think, you know, being able to experience the Patty Marlowe, uh, you know, breaking the record, that was amazing. I think there was a lot of good things that happened along the way. I thought that, uh, you know, our dressing room is a better room than it was in, in training camp, and uh, this is just a good learning experience for everyone. If I could take anything from this, and I just said this to the guys, I think we all have to learn. Um, you know, remember this feeling, and and this organization had to take a step back this year in order to take a step forward. And, uh, and I know that's a little bit of a cliche, but uh, um, that's the absolute truth. You know, there was a, a pass set out early on, and that started last year at the uh, at the trade deadline uh, last hockey season, and uh, and we had to live through it this year. Um, but I, I I really truly believe that. Uh, moving forward it'll be a different situation it'll be a completely different set of expectations and uh you know and that's how it should be
1: all right good morning everyone it is bittersweet or actually it's really just bitter I'll I'll be honest I (laughs) I'm not happy about the season being over I know this was not the best season of Sharks hockey that we, we can remember and I know that we We all associate Sharks hockey and the standards we have for the franchise and the product on the ice as being much greater than what we saw this year. But now that we've played 56 games, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not done watching this team. I mean, I know we can say that we've maybe seen enough, but I don't know. My existence is not any better now that I don't have Sharks hockey in it. I like to watch 82 game seasons. And now for the second year in a row, I will not be able to do so. And obviously a worldwide pandemic has made that an issue, but I don't like feeling like 56 games is all we get. I want to see this team have 26 more games. And obviously this team was not worthy of of the playoffs this year. And I completely understand that, but it doesn't make me feel any better about the fact that this season is over, even though the team wasn't great, even though the team wasn't good, the team was middling, and I think that as you heard from Bob Bugner on the way in there, they had to take a step back to take a step forward. And I know that that, like he alluded to as well, is a cliche. However, there is some truth to it. There's a lot of truth to it. You can't be at the level that the Sharks were at forever. And it's a credit to Doug Wilson and everything that he's been able to do to keep the Sharks at that high point for so long. And that's probably part of what makes This recent history feels so bad and so unsatisfying. But you have to put things in a place where you can restock your young players, restock the farm system, get more picks, get more potential for trades, get more potential for everything. You have to tear yourself down a little bit to build yourself back up. And I know that that is not a satisfying reality for everyone. You want to compete for a Stanley Cup every single year. I am sure that is as true for you as it is for Doug Wilson, but I'm sure he's also being realistic and saying, okay, I have to put things in a place to where we can start that build back up, and that's got to start with this year, and that's why Doug Wilson called it a quote-unquote reset. Now, you can agree or disagree with that terminology, but I tend to believe that it is a more positive terminology at the very least, because nobody wants to hear rebuilding because that means that everything's going to be god-awful. And the Sharks were not god-awful this year. There were some bad performances, like last night. That was not fun. Uh, But you you haven't gotten rid of all your best players. You haven't given your fan base nothing to watch. I mean, think about the things that we got to watch this year. Evander Kane having a badass season, especially in light of everything that was happening in his life, off the ice. I thought that was a great storyline, and I really like Evander Kane. And I think the fact that he's improved his game on the ice in terms of the mental aspect, in terms of not being baited by players on the opposition and finding himself in the box far too often, he improved his game. And in earning himself more time on on the ice by not being stuck in the sin bin, his performance went up. He was on pace for his best season. Things like that, to me at least, are massive. Watching guys take steps in a positive direction are a huge part of what you want to see. You know, Mario Ferraro, he's another guy in year number two, taking huge strides in his career. You watch the player that he's developing into. You watch what he's capable of night in, night out. The fact that in year two, he knows how to show up for every game. He knows what he is being afforded in terms of an opportunity. He knows what this franchise wants to be, what the level of expectations are. The other defenseman he's playing alongside, and he stepped up his game to be worthy of playing alongside great players. Then you get another guy like Nikolai Konejov, who has a rookie season with the San Jose Sharks that I think that none of us were really expecting to be that good. That's not to say that he doesn't have things to work on, and we actually got word that he's going to have to have uh, surgery on a sports hernia, which I've had multiple inguinal hernia surgeries, and uh, those are not a fun surgery. I'll put it that way, Uh, but it's also not something that should keep him out for long. He should be able to bounce back rather quickly from that. From my understanding of other guys that have had sports hernia surgeries, I've never had the sports hernia surgery per se, but I've talked to people that have, and I've had other hernia surgeries, so I feel pretty safe in saying that I feel he will be able to uh, bounce back pretty quickly, but I will also uh, tell you that I am not a doctor I just kind of play one on Twitter and in podcast form at times. However, Nikolai Konejov was a bright spot this year. What he was able to do, what he was able to bring every night, you appreciate that because this was a hard year. And in years where guys are trying to establish themselves, it's a lot easier to do so when everything is going right around you. It's a lot easier to find those motivating moments, to step up in the midst of a big game or a big stretch. You know, you just it's easier when things are going well around you. I can't say that things were going well around Kenezov. I can't say that the Sharks were giving him reasons to really go above and beyond. And I don't mean that he shouldn't feel the need to compete, but I mean when a team is on the outs for the majority of the year and not able to fight for those playoff spots, especially after an eight-game losing streak, you would understand if a guy's game was not taking those necessary steps because I think there can be a bit of a defeating mentality with what's happening out there. But that didn't occur. He seemed to appreciate the opportunity he was giving and he seemed to appreciate just what it meant to his career. And I think also the thought of being able to play for Russia and the Worlds, which unfortunately is not going to happen due to that sports hernia surgery. But I think he was looking at it from a very mature standpoint and looking at everything he was being afforded and trying to maximize it, even if the team was not a great team. And that speaks volumes to me. It should speak volumes to Bob Bugner and his coaching staff, to Doug Wilson and his staff. I think those guys take notice of those efforts, that even if the results aren't what you want them to be, the effort on the ice was there, and also you could see the strides the player was making in terms of improvement. And those are the things I was focusing on last night because it was easier than focusing on a 6 nothing loss. Yeah, I mean, that sucked. I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of expected it, or I didn't even know if I expected it. I was aware of the possibility that it could occur because Vegas was fighting for something and the Sharks were not. And you don't have your captain out there and you have a lot of guys, especially a lot of veteran guys who have a lot of pride. And this is not the reality that they're used to. It's not the the reality that they were expecting at the start of the year. It takes a lot of wind out of their sails. The writing was on the wall that the season was over. You could feel like something like that was coming. And the only thing that really in my opinion, made it a really negative night because otherwise it's meaningless. The season's done was just because it may have been the last night ever for Patty Marlowe. And, you know, we've said so much about Patty Marlowe this year and it still feels like it's incomplete. It still feels like we should have more to say about him. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around his accomplishment. And the best the best that I've been able to come up with is that Patrick Marlowe is literally living history. He is a walking monument to the NHL. And I I still, even when I say those words, I'm not sure that I understand it. And I probably won't understand it until I am older, until I have gray hair, until I am able to put things in greater perspective. Because for Patrick Marlowe, he's just a guy that I've been watching since I was 15 years old. As I have said multiple times on this show, I was 15 years old and a freshman in high school when Patrick Marlowe started playing. And I thought it was pretty cool that he was so close in age to me at the time. And I remember my dad talking about this you know, kid who was supposed to be one of the next big things in hockey, and he was a San Jose Shark. And so that obviously carried some gravity with me, and he is one of the few guys left in sports that's older than me. And I don't say that in some sort of uh, look how young I am sense. I mean, it's incredible. I'm 38 years old. I felt really good last week and went running, and I just had a great workout. And then ever since, my foot's been just absolutely killing me. I'm like in decent shape. And this is not anything impressive in the slightest. I ran for like an hour and I was like, man, I feel great. My mile time is great. Patrick Marlowe's out there busting his ass every night on the ice in the NHL. The best league in the world. He's 41 years old. And if this is the end, it's been an absolute honor to be able to watch the entirety of his career. Because when we talk about the entirety of his career, we are talking about a historic career that in one regard, in terms of games played in the history of the NHL, has no equal. And what's cool is I was listening to an interview he did the other day on KMBR, and he said that you know he himself didn't truly appreciate it in terms of his accomplishment, but he also said that everybody he's talked to has told him to keep on playing as long as he can because once it's over, it's over. And so I don't, I don't know if this is the end for Patty. I don't know where he's going to go from here. I don't know if he's going to be with the Sharks next year. I don't know if he's going to retire. I don't know if he's going to be elsewhere. But I do know that watching him break that record this year in the Sharks sweater truly meant something. It meant something to me as a fan. It meant something to me as someone who works for the team and as a broadcaster. The fact that I get to talk about such an incredible player, the same way that my dad got to talk about an incredible player. I mean, these things, when guys like this transcend generations and they're just showing up every single night and going and playing and playing and playing blows me away. It it really, really does. It really blows me away. And again, I I, I try to wrap my head around it right now. And I still think it's going to take decades probably for me to understand exactly what he's done. If it was his final game. It's unfortunate that it had to happen in a game that was so lopsided because he deserved to go out with like a game-winning goal or something. But, you know, rarely does history provide those opportunities. I think that he will more look back on this final time in the NHL, if it is, as him being so well-regarded and being so respected and the guys from the other teams coming up and shaking his hands and getting the hated rivals of the Vegas Golden Knights, to give him all the respect in the world from the team, from the franchise, from the fans in Vegas. I mean, all these things, those all occurred because of who Patrick Marlowe is. But as much as I say how great it was to watch Patrick Marlowe this season, that doesn't mean that we can ignore everything that happened this year because I think we all wanted Eric Carlson to be better. I think we all wanted Timo Meyer to be better. I think we all wanted Brent Burns to be better. I think we all wanted Logan Couture to be able to not be banged up and be able to have a more complete season. We all saw the flashes of Tomash Hurdle returning to the player that he's capable of being, but it was interrupted by COVID in the middle there, even though he got off to a hot start, slowed down, got COVID, then finally was finding his game, but it was too little too late for the Sharks at that point. Even though I, I, I didn't question Tomash uh, Hurdle's play the entire year, I think they were just extenuating circumstances, of which there are always. So you got to take the good with the bad, right? You got to watch a game like last night and say, ugh, let's hope that never happens again. I mean, I don't like the fact that the Sharks didn't beat Vegas at all this year, right? I know you don't. I at least have to imagine you don't. But the team had to go through this at some point, and there was no better time than a 56-game season in which the Sharks were not particularly situated well to put themselves in a deep-run type scenario. Now, I am sure Doug Wilson probably could have wheeled and dealed and figured out a way to get the Sharks more competitive this year, but you would have been delaying the inevitable. At least that's my opinion. And so the hope is that after a year, as difficult as this one was, is that the Sharks will be in a better place. They will be able to move pieces, that they will be able to acquire talent, that they will be able to situate themselves better, to bring in more high-caliber players, to make moves in free agency, to do the things they need to do to make themselves a competitive team once again. And not that I am being impatient, but I don't think the team and I don't think the fan base wants to wait too long for that to happen again. And as I have alluded to multiple times on this podcast, you can't, you have to be good in the Bay Area. I'll put it that way. You can't be bad for too long or else people will lose interest or they'll spend their money elsewhere. And I think that the Sharks, as a franchise, top to bottom, are aware of that, and I think the guys on the ice are aware of that as well. They don't want to give fans a reason not to come out. They want you in the building. They want you cheering them on. They want you to be part of the experience, and they want you to be part of what this franchise is and how it presents itself and how it all goes down, because we've been in the building for those magical moments. We have been there together screaming, shouting, and it goes beyond those of us that are in the building. It's walking around and seeing somebody else wearing a Sharks hat or seeing somebody else, you know, with a Sharks license plate frame. Something is, you know, is meaningless to everybody else, but when you see it, you nod because you know that there's a part of that person that's like you. But I think the plan for the Sharks is to get back to that competitive state as quickly as possible. I can't give you a timeline on that. You're going to have to go to powers far above my head to get a proper timeline. That said, as bad as this year was... I don't think the Sharks are that far off. I understand that Eric Carlson is not up to snuff in terms of what he is viewed as as a player. And I mean that in the sense of he's not living up to expectations. But I also know that just because he did not live up to expectation this year, that doesn't mean he can't live up to expectation next year. Each season is individual. Each player is individual. And I think that Eric Carlson is of a talent level and is of a level of professionalism that he knows he has to be better. And I also think that the Sharks overall, when we talk about the entirety of the team, we have to acknowledge that if the goaltending was better, the team would be better. And I know that is a ridiculous oversimplification of what is actually happening on the ice. But if the Sharks had a better goalie, they would have been potentially a playoff team. Or they would have been in the hunt. It would have come down to the last few games of the year, as opposed to an eight-game losing streak in which it all fell apart. But I'm not here to BS you. I'm not here to tell you things any different than what you saw. Sharks, plain and simple, were not good enough this year. The goalies weren't good enough. The offense wasn't good enough. The power play wasn't good enough. The superstars weren't good enough. It all needs to be better. We are all aware of these realities. But the other part of that reality is this year the Sharks were not at a point to maximize what they have in terms of their top-level talent. So they got young guys in there. They gave them their opportunity. They've been evaluating. They've probably seen ceilings and floors for a lot of these players. They probably look at the picks they have. They probably look at the talent they have, and they're now in a better position to situate themselves better for the future, to get right back to being a contending team. I know some of you don't like the contracts, and I and I get that. But if you went around to GMs around the league and you told them, Hey, you've got Timo Meyer, Tomash Hurdle, Evander Kane, Logan Couture, Eric Carlson, and Brent Burns, I think they would all acknowledge you could build something around that pretty quickly. It doesn't mean that every single one of those situations is ideal, and I'm not going to tell you that it is, but I also think that there is a strong base on which the Sharks can build. All right, we're going to take a break. On the other side, we are going to get more into post-game and, well, post-season reaction from the head coach, Bob Bugner. You're on Morning Tide.
0: Coors Light wants to help you catch a Sharks game from the best seats in the house. Just share a photo of your Sharks at-home game setup to sjsharks.com slash homeice for a chance to win Coors Light Silver Seats tickets, Sharks gear, and more. Winners will be chosen weekly, so post a pic showing how you watch the Sharks to sjsharks.com slash homeice today. 2021,
1: Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, must be 21 or older, celebrate responsibly.
0: Some pretty good hockey for us uh um, you know and, and it's it's nice that uh you know right-handed and you know i i think he's a guy that's going to be battling for you know a position on this team next year and uh you know all six guys are coming back veterans but you know we're going to be carrying more than six and i think that's going to be a great battle for that that seventh spot next year or possibly six, I think, you know, I mean, who's to say he doesn't come in and have a great camp and, you know, and beat someone else out of their job? So, well, I had, I think has a chance, you know, Gerald's came in and um, you know, he played some games for us as another guy that's going to have an opportunity. And of course, Brinson. I think, uh, you know, the other two are big right-handed guys. Uh, Brinson's a, you know, a lefty a little smaller, but uh, you know, his compete is uh, his compete. It's what's, you know, keeping him around. And uh, I think that all of them have things to work on this summer for Brinson i had a talk with him the other day it's you know his quickness his feet his power things like that if you're not gonna you're not a defenseman who's you know six one six two six serenously plus yeah and if you're on the smaller side you got to be a, um you got to have a little bit of uh, a dynamic touch to your game that doesn't mean finesse wise but you might you know you're gonna have to be a speedy guy or you're gonna have to be uh have a great stick or you're gonna have to have uh um, you know great vision and and moving the puck well those things so those are things he's gonna work on this summer
1: as head coach of the san jose sharks bob bugner bringing us back talking about some of his younger defensemen that we got to see over the course of the year. Nikolai Konejov gave this when assessing his season after the loss last night.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, obviously there was um, a lot of ups and downs. Uh, I was uh, lucky enough, you know, to get in the lineup from the beginning of the season, had a good camp and uh, I was blessed to stay in a lineup all year. Um, coaches uh, trusted me. They, uh, you know, helped me out. Of course, I had mistakes just like everyone else did. And, you know, just uh, tried to learn from it and uh, come back every other night and uh, fix those mistakes and play my best game and uh, you know I'm just I'm just happy the way it worked out for me this season and hopefully next year I'll be able to bring more to the table and uh, help the team as much as I can. And Brinson Pashnuk, when
1: asked about what he needs to do this summer also acknowledged the exact things that Bob Bugner said about him.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think, um, there's a few little things I have to tweak for sure. Um, had some meetings with the coaching staff and the training staff, and I think, uh, just like speed and agility came up a lot. So that's going to be one of my main focuses this summer is just, um, you know, getting a bit quicker, um, getting faster and just being more agile on the ice, being able to, you know, help me defend just a little more, um, you know, sound. So I think that's one of my biggest folks is going in and uh, coming in to camp next year in the best shape of my life, 100%.
1: And I think the important takeaway here is that the Sharks are not just telling their younger or less experienced players to simply be better, but they are telling them exactly which aspects of their games that they need to work on. Because I think that that's a necessary map for these players to be given. They need to have individual plans for what they can do to get better. Now Pashnik is going to go back and play with the Barracuda, at least that's what it seemed like to him, uh, but just to get him this experience, just to get him this opportunity to have an honest evaluation of his game is huge. It will allow him to be better, and by allowing him to be better, it will allow the Sharks to be better because then the guys at the AHL level see what can happen if they put in the hard work. With that, Pashnik was asked what he learned about the NHL and his short experience.
2: I think the biggest thing I learned is how cool it is to say that your job in life is, is being an NHL hockey player. Like I said, it's been a dream of mine to uh, play here my entire life, but I think on a more... Uh, physical level. I think it's just how hard of work it is every single day to be at this level. You have to show up every workout, every practice and every game and and give it your 100% effort, which I love to do. And I'm, I'm so thankful that uh, I have that mentality. But yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned for sure.
1: And there's only one way to learn that, right? I mean, this is a baptism by fire. They throw you into the NHL game so that you can learn that you're ready or you're not ready. Or if part of that being ready is bringing up certain aspects of their game, which is exactly what the Sharks are having Brinson Pashnick do or what they are asking him or tasking him with doing. And it's the same story with Melnichuk. I mean, obviously, this was not on him. It was a bad game by the Sharks. I'm sure there's a couple that he would have wanted back, but he was not the reason that the Sharks lost that game last night. Here's head coach Bob Bugner. I think at that point, I think, you know, uh, um, he's a battler,
0: and I don't think that would have been, you know, I didn't want to... <laughs> you know, leave him, uh, you know, going home in the summer with that kind of feeling. I think that, you know, let's be honest, uh, we played a real good hockey team tonight. We weren't very good at all. We didn't do a lot of match and we put guys in situations to see if, you know, they could succeed. And uh, um, so he didn't get a crazy amount of help. I think, you know, I don't put this one on him by any means. We didn't, uh, you know, we generated a little bit here and there, the, the, the great chances we did generate, obviously Flurry made some stops. And, uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, I don't judge his game uh, or, you know, his future. By, by, this, by this game here tonight.
1: And that may seem like a very obvious statement to make, but that kind of message needs to be put out there that the Sharks were allowing these guys the opportunity to fail. And I don't mean that in the sense that they were expecting them to underperform, but the expectation was not that they were going to immediately step out onto the ice and be NHL-ready, night-in, night-out players. That was not the case immediately for Mario Ferraro, even last year. It took him a little bit to develop. We saw the flashes it was not immediate. Same thing with John Leonard this year. We saw flashes, but he has not been able to take that next step to be an every night NHL player. We think it's there. We think that those next steps can be taken, but the sharks have afforded these guys, the opportunity to try to see exactly what they have. This allows for fair assessment. And this all goes back to what the sharks have been trying to do this year. And that is take a step back to take a step forward and taking a step back allowed you to put these young guys out there on the ice, allowed you to assess these guys and see what steps they need to take to see where they need to improve their games, to see where they stack up as is. Every team has to go through this. The difference between where the Sharks are and where some other teams have been is the Sharks have found a way to do this without having to jettison all their best players. And I know the immediate comeback to that is that the Sharks haven't done anything yet in terms of proving that this works. And I get that. But what Doug Wilson has mentioned in the past when speaking on this quote-unquote reset is that it's part of a greater plan. And I'll tell you right now, I am going to sit down with Doug Wilson in the next few days, or not sit down, but we'll talk to each other over a Zoom because that's what humans do. We're going to talk about all these things. We're going to talk about the reset. We're going to talk about the plan. We're going to talk about what he's going to do to get this team back into the playoffs and back to where we all expect them to be. If you want... Hit me up on Twitter, at Ted Remy Media. Tell me some topics you want me to get into with Doug Wilson because I'm going to sit down with him and I'm going to ask him about all these things. And I'm not just going to go in there and be a sycophant and nod along. Doug doesn't want me to do that. Doug wants to hear from me because he knows that I speak to the fans, that I see what's out there on social media, that I understand the greater concerns from the fan base about what's happening with the franchise. And by the way, this conversation will be recorded and you will be able to hear it. It is what the kids are calling an interview. So, yeah, we're going to talk to Doug, and we're also going to hear what the players have to say later today when they speak with the media. That's happening around 11 o'clock. I don't know if we're hearing from Bob Bugner again at that point, but I I would hope that we would. But we're going to hear what they have to say about the season. I wouldn't mind hearing from Logan Couture again. I wouldn't mind hearing from Eric Carlson Timo Meyer, you know, a lot of these big players and a lot of the younger guys as well, especially a guy like Mario Ferraro, who in his second year with the Sharks has stepped into a, uh, well, he's not wearing, you know, the A on his sweater just yet, but they talk about him being the heartbeat of the Sharks, being one of the driving personalities behind what this team has been able to do. You want to hear from these guys. So when the next episode does come out, and that's hopefully sooner rather than later, we are going to get into this postseason reaction from the Sharks, from Doug Wilson. I mean, he doesn't have to tell us everything he's going to do, and nor would I expect him to because he has to uh, He has to have these cards to play with other teams in the league. But I know that we want to hear about what he is going to do to address the deficiencies of the Sharks. He has an offseason to get this team back to where he thinks it should be and back to where we think it should be. But as we bring this episode to a close, I want to thank you all being there with me every morning after for all of these episodes of Morning Tide. Even though the product on the ice has not always been scintillating, it's always given us something to talk about, and I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you engaging with me on social media. I appreciate you uh, being part of the greater community that is the Sharks fan base and franchise. Uh, But that wraps it up for today's episode. We've got more Morning Tide coming for you as soon as possible, and we'll get that interview with Doug Wilson. We'll get into the postseason reaction from the players, all that and more when we come back again. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off.
0: You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.